Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the weekly Wednesday Great Spirit Relay Radio Report. This is David Williams reporting today from a parking lot a few miles from Manhattan in New York City in preparation for this Sunday's November 11th Armistice Day. Uh, you know, it's been Armistice Day since a hundred years ago, this November 11th, in 1918, when at 11 o'clock in the morning, the armistice agreement that ended the Great War, as what they called later the World War One, was signed. And uh, this was a nobody knew what was going to happen when it was signed, but it did turn into a lasting peace. So this Sunday, November 11th. In many places around the country, especially with the Veterans for Peace organization, their um, hashtag Reclaim Armistice Day to bring back the message that this is a holiday that celebrates the end of war. And of course, it's Veterans Day, and we do respect the veterans and their sacrifice and all the things that go along with the problems that they face and the suffering that's created by the wars, but today um, I want to bring the focus back to Armistice, and uh, it's my prayer, and I've been working hard the last few weeks to bring out the awareness that we have a chance with this 100-year anniversary to at least start, if not complete, pain for a global armistice today in these times, as soon as possible, to declare a worldwide ceasefire of all hostilities and begin an era of peace for the planet. And this is on the heels of the Great Spirit Relay conducted from Santa Barbara in May, cross-country, kind of a whistle-stop tour, this is the full name of the campaign is the for the project is the Great Spirit All My Relations Relay Marathon Walk and Caravan. This was started in 1986 by my friend and the first teacher of uh, one of Fuji Guruji's disciples. And Fuji Guruji got that name from Mahatma Gandhi, who took up the drum and the chanting from Nichidatsu Fujii in the process of leading the spiritual nonviolent revolution in India to success. And every day, Gandhi beat the drum and chanted this universal medicine word mantra, Namun-myoho-renge-kyo, which is basically an admonition and a prayer for people to pay respect to the cosmic natural law, the law of nature, as Thomas Banyaka put it, by which everything operates, which I as a scientist see as the cosmic law of the universe, the inviolably sovereign law like gravity that nothing can contradict. And when governments make up laws and try to enforce them by violence that contradict or are not in harmony with this great law of peace, as the Iroquois people call it, then all kinds of problems happen. Civil unrest, wars, crime, all kinds of violence simply because people don't tune in 
the, the great spirit inside and realize that there is this analogous analog, uh, analog to the law of gravity by which everything operates. And if we pay attention to it, then that's going to bring peace and harmony not only to the individual and a joyous life, community, to the nation, and to the world. This was uh, exemplified by Japan's Saint Nichiren 700 years ago, who first put the voice, this medicine word, the Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, that summarizes in those syllables the teachings of the Lotus Sutra delivered by Shakyamuni, who became known as the Buddha, 2,500 years ago. And this teaching that this mantra represents was accepted in 2,200 years ago by the warlike leader, King Ashoka, who had conquered the Indian subcontinent by violent and bloody warfare and resisted the message of the Buddhist monks, in fact, persecuted them, until after one particularly gruesome battle, he began scratching his head, became open to the message of peace, received it, and accepted it, renounced violence, and built many peace poles, inscribing the message of peace, peace pillars, peace monuments throughout that whole territory, which led to 500 years of no war, no crime, no violence anywhere in the area. Similarly, about a thousand years ago, in what's now the northeastern United States and that up there in Canada, there were five warring tribes that bitter warfare for centuries, the Mohawk being the worst. Their name Mohawk means cannibal in another tribe's language because they were the fiercest and they were cannibals. And when the great peacemaker came and brought the message of the great law of peace, put him through some trials and tribulations and realized he was someone they should listen to, he quietly delivered the message of peace, of the great law of peace, and they accepted it without a struggle and helped him to bring that message to the other five, other four of the five warring tribes. And together they created a peaceful, what's called the Iroquois Confederacy. They call themselves the Haudenosaunee, the people of the Long House. And that confederacy lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years. And according to Thomas Banyaka, the Hopi interpreter, it grew to over a hundred nations, all living in peace and prosperity under this great law of peace, symbolized by the tree of peace, until the European invasion kind of disturbed everything. And now it's kind of shrunk back to the six nations uh, that they call now. But these are two examples I always bring up because war, it's always, it's just a part of human nature. It's always been with us. It'll always be there. Nothing we can do about it. But people aren't aware of, I'm sure there's more, but these two documented historical precedences of the leaders, warlike leaders, simply when the time is right and their heart is open, receiving the message of peace, whether it's from the Buddhist culture or the great peacemaker of the Iroquois or whoever delivers the message of peace at the right moment in an, in an open-hearted way, without a struggle, the leadership and the people accept it and violence is ended. War is ended. 
So it's like John Lennon said, you know, the war is ended if you want it kind of thing. So that's why I'm here after being in Washington, D.C. for in that area for a couple of months, actually, ending a couple of days ago. Um, we did the, a few people participated with me in Campton Greenbelt Park, and uh, we had the Global Peace Council for eight days. Most of the input was from conference calls and online contributions and some serious brainstorming among the few people that came by the camp there. And out of that, I had intended, the course organized it for larger participation, but uh, the original intent was to develop a universally acceptable, comprehensive, multi-issue global peace plan to present to the White House and to the United Nations and to the people. Well, what there is now a global peace plan that came out of that Great Spirit Relay Global Peace Plan. You can see it by going to the Facebook page, which I'll reference throughout this talk. Uh, it's Great Spirit Relay, all run together as one word. And that Facebook page has at the top of covering there the Global Peace Plan, and then contributions to that page all the way back to May when I started across country and uh, asking the different mayors walk around the block at different city halls, asking them for a proclamation of a season of unity and harmony and peace, following on the example of the my mayor of Santa Barbara, Kathy Murillo, who participated in March 11th at the Santa Barbara's Tree of Peace, planted in 1985 by Mohawk Chief Jake Swamp uh, with the then Chumash Elder Victor Sky Eagle Lopez and about a hundred of us who each put a handful of earth in there to plant the Tree of Peace at the UCSB campus. Then five years later, we had the Rainbow Uprising campaign, a week of events to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the planting of the Tree of Peace and the five-year anniversary of the passing of Ichidatsu Fujii. And you can see a one-hour, a two-hour edit of 20 hours of video of those weeks of a week of events under the title on YouTube of Rainbow Uprising Campaign. Last half hour or so was Esther John Voigt talking about his experiences with the Iroquois and Chumash and Hopi elders and explaining at that time the Hopi prophecy about the house of Micah. You know, Micah is that mineral that kind of looks like glass that used to have windows and furnaces, coal furnaces that you could see the light through it. Micah schist, it's called in chemical terms or technical terms. Um, so John Boyd tells the story of the Hopi elders going around 1950 a delegation of them to the eastern shore putting their cornmeal in the water at sunrise and wondering what's this house of Micah and they turn around and there's the first glass building in the United States United Nations building and then they go oh, that must be it looks like Micah and then that they found out that's where the world leaders meet that was what the prophecy said so over the years they were told to knock on the door four times be careful on the fourth one otherwise they don't 
say yes, there'll be big problems. And Banyakya was able to complete his life's mission assigned to him in 1948. In October of 1991, when after participating once again with His Holiness the Dalai Lama in another series of ceremonies and meetings, that time being the Kala Chakra ceremony in New York, that Yamato, Reverend Yusen Yamato, took him, escorted him to the eastern door of the United Nations and gave to the Secretary General's Secretary, John Washburn, a little eagle feather, the Paho prayer feather, the Hopi style that Thomas had been given in 1948 for this purpose. And the Secretary General Secretary accepted it. And then next year, 1992, was all of Columbus 500-year anniversary events all over, and the United Nations decided the way they could allow the, the indigenous leaders to speak to the General Assembly, because normally only rep, representatives of the nation states can speak, was to declare 1993 the year of the indigenous peoples. So in that auspice, they were allowed... Uh, I think about a dozen of them, of the 82 elders that were there, spoke on December 10th, 1992. And the general message all supported Thomas's message, too, that this law of nature is so connected to the mind of man that if the governments don't get in step with it and pay respect to it, that there's going to be more and more, not only wars and crime and domestic unrest, but there's going to be more and more natural disasters. That's how closely the mind of man is connected to the, to the natural world. And as he spoke, the worst rainstorm in New York history brewed, boats sinking in the harbor and out the window of the restaurant in Hudson Bay, Yamato explained to me, overnight it rained so hard, the next morning, uh, Thomas brought the elders together in a circle to prayer before they go home. And just as they got started, the lights went out in the United Nations because the basement had been flooded. And the guard came and said, well, you have to leave. The lights are out. And they said, well, we're not afraid of the dark. We're making this prayer. We're going to keep going. They lit their big lighters, continued this around the circle. By the time they finished, the storm had stopped. The lights went back on. So you might say this is a coincidence, but this is how this cosmic law works. It's not necessarily a law of cause and effect. It's mostly observed through coincidence, what Jung called synchronicity, what there's a word called serendipity. Uh, Jose Munoz, the Mayan calendar keeper, calls it sacrednicity. But when you observe coincidences, you have to pay attention to what they mean because they're an indication of how this cosmic law operates. <coughs> so, anyway, back to um, <coughs> where we're at now is that uh, after completion of this Global Peace Plan and posting it on uh, October 31st, the next day... Uh, there was the arrival of the Leonard Peltier Freedom Ride 2018. This is a spiritual effort of a handful of people led by Kent Forcloud. They departed riding horses from Mancota, South Dakota on 
September, on uh, July 28th and rode all the way to the Coleman Prison in Florida where Leonard Peltier has been, is now in prison. Uh, he's been in different prisons. This is the latest one, 43 years as a federal prisoner on, on the, based on a conviction that uh, has now been acknowledged by the FBI they falsified the ballistic evidence. His two co-defendants were acquitted on the ground of self-defense. He's basically the last pr- uh, prisoner of war between the United States government and the indigenous people in, this, in the United States. And he's still languishing there, awaiting clemency. As Grandmother Mary Lyons said when she came to support the ride, when they arrived at the Washington Capitol Mall in the morning of November 1st, that, uh, you know, Leonard's case and what she said at the at the end in the White House, in the White House, in Lafayette Park, is that he Leonard is a past time to let him out and go home to his family. He's a symbol all around the world of the oppression of the native people by the governments around the world, not just the United States. So many, many of us feel that the most important thing that the President of the United States can do to further the global peace movement is to grant executive clemency to Leonard Peltier and let him out. And not only that, but reconcile with him and people in a joint prayer for peace ceremony, which is what I've been proposing and what now is being targeted for November 11th. Now, you know, people think I'm kind of a little bit crazy for thinking that things can happen so quickly and um, so powerfully, but you think about it, we just had, there's many, many reasons why President Trump, why it would be in his best interest, as well as the nation and the world, to pardon Leonard Peltier or to give him clemency and let him out. But now with the election that's gone the way it has, it's almost the only it's almost the only thing left to President Trump that he can do bring harmony between the Democratic and the Republican parties and to unite the nations. Unite the nation. If President Trump grants clemency as soon as possible to Leonard Peltier that will gain immeasurable respect not only from millions of people around the world and millions of voters in the United States, but it will gain immeasurable respect from the Democrats who are more sympathetic, perhaps, than the Republicans. I don't know. Anyone who understands Leonard's case has to be sympathetic to it. It's just that it's been going on for so long. The FBI has been opposing. The last time the big clemency moved, the FBI took out a big front full page ad, I think it was in the Washington Post, all the names of the agents against clemency. Well, of course, they don't they don't want their corruption exposed. And we're not talking about the FBI today, which our president now is doing its best to reform and I'm sure it has been on its own gotten better over the years, but in the nineteen seventies 
this is a very corrupt and inept FBI that had to find a scapegoat for the death of these two FBI agents. They sent him to a to the crazy situation at Jumping Bull Ranch where a firefight ensued between these two agents and a whole bunch of people defending their, themselves. And the agents wound up dead. And um, part of the reason Leonard's still in prison is he refused to give up the name of the person who was the actual murderer on the code of honor, warrior's code of honor. That person has confessed on a movie that I've seen and where his face is shadowed, and he's apparently died uh, since then and left a deathbed confession saying, yep, he did it, Leonard's innocent. And the, I understand the paper that uh, the FBI acknowledging that this evidence was falsified is sitting on somebody's desk, the FBI, and they won't send it to the judge but when he sees it to, by law, release money. So this indicates that there's still something rotten in the FBI. If this is, if my understanding is correct, and this is something that President Trump can remedy by this simple action of releasing Leonard. Uh, this is a very important top item in the Global Peace Plan is the presidential clemency for Leonard Peltier. The number one item on the Global Peace Plan has to do with the Global Peace Poll. And this is a, an adaptation, uh, ecumenicalized version of the Peace Poll that King Ashoka used back 2,200 years ago. This ecumenicalized version was first brought to the United States in 1978 by Herman Yusen Yamato to the Oregon Rainbow Gathering. And in this case, in addition to the Namo-myoho-renge-kyo calligraphy that all the other monks in this order, Fujigurugi's order, use on their peace bowls, Yamato, not in the Panzam-myoho-ji lineage, but the Soto Zen Buddhist monk, he had the idea to ecumenicalize the peace bowl by putting other symbols on it, other cultures their symbol of the message of peace, to put those symbols on the peace bowl. So we created one at the end of the long walk for survival in 1980 on the night of October 31st. Wave, my friend Wave and I and a couple of people stayed up all night, created a blank log, put it into the ceremony at the end of the long walk for survival, November 1st, All Saints Day, 1980. Uh, introduced it there in the walk led by Chief Leonard Crowdog at the end with Fujigaruji and dozens of his monks and everybody chanting. We introduced this blank log, kept it there for a vigil for 11 days. Young uh, native guy named Geronimo carved the four direction symbol on it. Guruji sent one of his monks to put the Namunyo Horinde came on it. And then over the years, many, many different sacred symbols people put on it. Wave's brother, Reed Stowe, who has the record for the longest world record sailing record with his custom-built boat, 1,152 days at sea, 800 days at sea, alone, out of sight of land. How did he not go crazy? Well, he has this special kundalini yoga meditation that he's developed where he meditates on the green Tara. This is the, the earth goddess in the Eastern and the Hindu philosophy, the 
Green Tara Bodhisattva in Buddhism. And this symbol enabled him, this meditation, this spiritual guide, enabled him to guide his way and this to maintain his peace in this this way. Similarly, in the Leonard Peltier Freedom Ride, their symbol the the way the Great Spirit came through to guiding the path for the riders in Ken Four Cloud, their symbol they call Yellowbird. Yellowbird set by the Creator to guide their path. So these are very, very special uh, things to the people that believe in them. And there was symbols like this that we had on this original peace pole. Reed Stowe carved the green Tara symbol on the, that original peace pole. What we call, what has become known as the Rainbow Family Peace Pole for the White House. People lost sight of the fact that it was designed to go, the initial prayer was for it to go up on the lawn of the White House someday with the president standing in a circle. And it was just used in a kind of like a centerpiece for ceremonies, hundreds of thousands of people over the years, various gatherings, until it finally wore out and was burned up um, and now has been replaced by this global peace pole, which has six symbols on it, which I've explained before. The first two I've already explained, the Namum Yoho Renge Kyo and the symbol of the great law of peace, the, wamp, the purple and white wampum belt symbol of the great law of peace. The third one is the Hopi Declaration of Peace. This is Thomas Banyaka's crystallization of the Hopi prophecy message. And then there's three other symbols on it. The three faiths of Jerusalem united in peace. This is from the 2005 Christmas Land of Jerusalem Peace Walk. It has the Satya Sai Baba symbol of the unity of all faiths. With the center of the symbol is a lotus peace pole, a lotus pillar. And then the, the sixth symbol is the Mayan sixth sun calendar, sacred calendar symbol for peace, love, and patience. And that's actually the reason I'm on this journey is because Jose Munoz, the keeper of the Mayan calendar, sacred calendars, um, explained that... Uh, the message of the Jade Princess, this was three and a half years ago in Santa Barbara, he explained that the message of the Jade Princess delivered on June 21st, the year 1444. He only explained part of it, but the point was that this knowledge came from the year 2029 back to 1444. And the statement at that time was that world peace begins in the year 2021 on the earth. So that kind of knocked my socks off when I heard it and uh, because of the circumstances and the ceremony and just my own heart, I took it seriously. And then in February of 2016, based on a calendar reading on this new calendar, you may already be familiar with this magic date in 2012, December 21st. Well, that was the end of the previous 20, uh, previous Mayan calendar, 26,000-year calendar, um, that, that I believe corresponds to the precession of the Earth's axis, which is 25,777 years. And um, But now that starting on June 21st, 2012, there's a new 
26,000-year calendar. The old one had 20 archetype symbols. The new one has 25 archetype symbols. And one of those new, one of those five new ones, Jose Munoz gave us after he conducted the ceremony on March 11th in Santa Barbara at the Tree of Peace with the Chumash elder Art Cisneros and our mayor who read her proclamation for the occasion, mentioning the great law of peace, mentioning the Tree of Peace, and the fact that the United States government system by its founding fathers was in large part patterned after the Iroquois Confederacy, although they completely left out the concept of the great law of peace and a bunch of other things, including the role of women in the leadership system and the role of wampum, not Indian money, but kind of a complex social contract system. That's where there's this misunderstanding that resulted in the myth of Manhattan being bought for a handful of beads because the native people accepted those beads as a token of sacred contract that we would be friends, share the land, and get along. And then the Europeans, not understanding this, figured, aha, we just bought it. Now we can put up a fence and keep people out. So you might say that's where the problem began. But um, so in February 2016, Jose did a calendar reading on this new calendar on the birth dates of the three presidential candidates at that time. And he predicted from that that Donald Trump would win the election and his cosmic personality, and this is, in my perspective, this is the cosmic being that lives inside each of us human beings, our meat puppets that we walk around in, this cosmic being inside, he explained that Donald Trump has what it takes to unite the nation in harmony. So, that kind of blew a lot of people away at the time. He, people were upset, some of them, and don't shoot me. I'm not the. Me- I'm just the messenger. You know, that's these are the facts kind of thing he says. So I thought about all that for a year, put those two things together. In February of this year, I realized, well, you know, Donald Trump's going to be president for most of the time between now and the year 2021, um, when. Jose already has a schedule, December 21st, year 2021, ceremony marking the beginning of world peace. So I figured, well, you know, the only way I can see it happening is to reach the president with the message of peace, change his heart, and that will bring about the kind of leadership that we're all looking for to bring unity and harmony to the nation and peace to the world. So I try to work it out to invite him to Santa Barbara to go to the Tree of Peace for a ceremony. That didn't work out. So I decided to carry, to upgrade what had become the Rainbow Uprising campaign peace poll with the first three symbols on it and added these other three. On March 11th, our mayor put the symbol on there representing the three faiths of Jerusalem united in peace. And so I took this peace poll and this, uh, a write-up about the symbols, what the message is, and took it around as an object just to symbolize this message so people would, well, what's that object about? And then well, what do those symbols mean? And then, well, here, here's a paper that explains them. And that you can see online. 
It's all described in posts on the Great Spirit Relay, all run together, Facebook page. So took the mayor of Santa Barbara's proclamation, went to different cities. The Tucson mayor of Arizona was the first mayor to offer a proclamation of a season of unity, harmony, and peace. And then in the 16 cities between Atlanta and uh, Washington, D.C., the only mayor who agreed was the Petersburg mayor who fully uh, took the whole draft exactly and uh, issued the proclamation of a season of unity, harmony, and peace beginning October 24th this year. Tucson mayor backdated his declaring the year this year 2018 is a season of unity, harmony, and peace. So that's one of the things in the global peace plan is uh, the first one is asking the, the message of peace depicted by these six symbols on the global peace bill. And the second one is to consider and everybody to endorse this draft proclamation of a season of unity, harmony, and peace. If President Trump issues a proclamation following that draft, I guarantee you it's going to bring unity, harmony, and peace. So there's other items you can look online about the Global Peace Plan. (coughs) But I've done uh, 33 minutes into my hour here. So I wanted to um, just say some of the latest things that are happening just moments before I started this broadcast. There was a very, very great article, uh, newspaper article, uh, news article from Indian Country Today that came out uh, a day ago. A very, very complete summary of this Letter Peltier Freedom Ride 2008. Amazing writing. And um, you can see that again. It's posted to the Great Spirit Relay Facebook page. And Quite a few things in there I didn't know. The reason they started in Mankato, South Dakota, is because that's a location where, I don't know how many exact years ago, but there's a famous incident where President Lincoln had 38 uh, Lakota, I believe, all Lakota, I believe, hung to death. Uh, And I think it was over an incident where they were hungry and they raided some storage, food storage facility. And on balance, the other thing I read said that they wanted him to hang 100 and some people and he whittled it down to 38. But in any case, because of that incident and the history behind it is why they started this ride from Mankato, South Dakota to the prison. And then the other noteworthy thing that totally agree with my perception uh in watching the video that Scott Putney did of the end of the Freedom Ride there in Lafayette Park, is that the horses are very more intelligent than people could possibly imagine. They punctuated what the people were saying so so eloquently and so on time that it's hard to chalk it up to just coincidence or synchronicity or serendipity or synchronicity. I have to believe as a, as a, a theoretician in the chemical physics of consciousness, I have to believe that those horses were so attuned to this 
to the people, the mission, the writers, the grandmother who loved them, who came, Mary Lyons, they actually understood what was going on and punctuated that video with their, whatever you call that sound that horses make, uh, chiming in their voice to punctuate, for example, where Mary Lyons says, this uh, Leonard Peltier, uh, see if I can get the words exactly right, but she says, this man, I guarantee you this man, release him, I guarantee you this man will bring peace. Since she says, this man, then the horse whinnies, you know, punctuates it. And um, uh, Frank, the author of this uh, uh, Indian Today, Indian Country Today article, also made note of the horses looking into their eyes and reaching an understanding and he pointed out another incident in there where they punctuated what was being said. So, man, oh, man, did my eyes been open to the horse nation and the respect for these these fellow beings. And uh, that's an eye-opener for everything. I had an encounter with a deer the first time, the day before I left Greenbelt Park. I walked toward the fire circle where we had our memorial ceremony for medicine story and where we had our campfire circle on August 26th. I went back there to say kind of goodbye to the sacred fireplace and halfway on the path I always see deer there but I encountered this big doe standing broadside looking at me as I got halfway down the path and looked up. So rather than proceed I just stopped and we looked at each other for a minute or two and then I turned around walked back up the path, and then turned around to look, and she was following me from a distance. And so I stopped and looked again, she stopped and looked, and I just sat down, and we exchanged glances for like a full five minutes until she got bored and walked off. They can't tell me that there's no communication between these kind of, uh, other other than human beings and us. So anyway, let's see. Uh, I've got 22 minutes left. Um, okay, so what's what's coming up now is uh, in Washington, D.C., um, at the same time right now, there's a gathering of Native tribes under the auspices of all tribes, D.C. This is in conjunction with the David's Tent, D.C., and uh, this is a place I've visited three times now, time in D.C., once on August 30th when Wave and I uh, completed our mission of the initial phase of the Great Spirit Relay from Atlanta and walked from David's Tent, D.C. on the Capitol Mall with a news reporter named Glenn Wilson um, covering the story and uh, we walked to carry, I was carrying our, uh, this global peace bolt, kind of lights so I could carry it, to Lafayette Park set it up did our prayer, chanting and drumming, the Namun Yoho Renge Kyo, asking the president in prayer and by email, which we never got any response, to accept the message of peace that it symbolizes, at least consider it. And um, Glenn wrote a nice news, news article 
it's on his uh, newamericanjournal.net site. Um, you won't find it there, but you'll find it on the, I mean, you may find it there if you go to the date of September 7th. Uh, that's when he published it, and we spoke about it on Diamond Day's Common Thread Collective Radio um, September 7th archive of that recording. You'll hear Glenn Wilson talking about it. But uh, then the next time, on October 20th, I went again. Uh, I had tried to put together an early re- arrival of the Leonard Peltier Freedom Ride to come in early on October 20th um, to give more time camp together to build up the momentum for November 1st, All Saints Day. But that didn't work out. And so I went and walked anyway, November 1st, All Saints, I mean, uh, October 20th, and uh, went again to David's tent, left my prayer there. And then I stayed there on the 1st after they, after we parted company in the ride that its police escort to Lafayette Park. I stayed again at the David's tent and offered my prayer in the name of Jesus there for the success of this mission, um, not only for Peltier clemency, but for the president to accept the message of peace symbolized by the global peace poll and to to consider this global peace plan. So now today, there's a gathering, all tribes all around the country, different uh, Native nations coming, setting up teepees. Um, There's in in the David's tent area in the center of the Capitol Mall, leading up to November 11th, their main day, and then also the Veterans for Peace organizations all around the country have been mobilizing for a long time, and they're having the 9th, uh, 10th, and 11th events in Washington, D.C., the Reclaim Armistice Day. So it's all coming to a head on November 11th. Um, I'm putting out the word, let's try to bring it into a global armistice. If President Trump pardons Leonard Peltier, gives him clemency and lets him out, Stands with him in a circle on November 11th, Sunday. It's a few days from now in the lawn of the White House. And the Veterans for Peace and President Trump agreed to reroute their solemn march on the morning 9 to 11 in the morning on the 11th, route it to Lafayette Park to witness across the street through the fence the President and Leonard standing in a circle praying for global peace. You better believe it's going to happen. I mean, even if it doesn't happen on November 11th, that would make it happen. So right now, one of the spiritual brothers of the Ken Four Cloud is there with the D.C., uh, All Tribes D.C., and then uh, it's so new, I can't... Oh, yeah, there is. Frank Hopper, the uh, writer of the article just connected with him on Facebook minutes before this broadcast, plugged him into the chat, the Facebook group chat, healthier clemency chat that we have. Ken Forecloud popped up through um, his, his spiritual brother. So new, I can't remember all the names. Um, and uh, was added back to the chat. And now, I've given all the information to Frank to do another news article. And now it's not only about what's going on in D.C., but I'm here in New York to bring out the theme of global oneness. 
because this is the this is the fundamental principle. You know, the native people talk about the four elements: fire, water, earth, and air. This is the same in the Buddhist custom, except they have the fifth element: fire, water, earth, air, and the fifth element is emptiness or oneness. This is the state of mind that is the object of Zen meditation, the empty-mindedness. When you reach the empty mind state, then you connect with the oneness. So this principle of global oneness is something that um, has been, you know, many organizations and people over the years have uh, built up this idea of, oh, let's create a global oneness movement. They had a Global Oneness Day Summit, October 24th this year. Barbara Marks Hubbard and Marianne Williamson and Bruce Lipton and other big-name people in this field that I can't remember to once again bring out the idea of global oneness. So Bob, Bob Challenger, one of the amazing people involved in this movement, is... Um, put it out that well, let's make November 11th this year Global Oneness Day. So that's I added that theme in to the November 11th walk that I'm going to do as the global third leg of the Global Peace March, short each one, October 20th, three miles, <laughs> November 1st, a few hundred yards, <coughs> and November 11th, I think it's just about a mile or less from the John Lennon Memorial in Central Park, Imagine Memorial at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'll be going there this Sunday. If I'm alone, it's fine. If some people come, that's fine. And uh, beat a drum, toot a horn, ring a bell, something at 11 o'clock, and then walk to the United Nations and make a prayer there for peace. And uh, in the interim between now and then, I'll be reaching out electronically to all kinds of people that I can find, the United Nations, the, the Baha'i New York office, uh, which has been very helpful to us in the past with the Global Peace Walk that we did across country from 1995, January 1st to June 20th, from New York to San Francisco. And they gave us a box of the few hundred of these booklets that had all the speeches of the Native Elders gave on December 10, 1992. The Information Office gave it to us to distribute across country. This was the United Nations 50th anniversary Global Peace Walk. The Baha'i people helped out with that. They were very helpful with Thomas Pinyaka over many, many years. I remember uh, bringing him from a meeting there at the end of the Global Walk for a Livable World in 1990 after our Rainbow Uprising campaign event the last, the culmination was the Tree of Peace ceremony and then a procession across campus to install the Hiroshima Peace Flame on the Eternal Flame Monument at UCSB. And then that Peace Flame was carried across country by the Global Walk for a Livable World with, with a blessing ceremony at the, before they started from Thomas Panyaka. And then he was able to get to the end of it to give a message to the walkers following right on the heels of the president of the General Assembly who came out to give a message to those walkers. And uh, I remember bringing in from the the high center there a few blocks of the United Nations to be there in time 
to speak along right following the president of the General Assembly. That'll be uh, tomorrow and Friday and Saturday networking with the, not only the Baha'i people, the, their headquarters in New York, they're near the United Nations, but also the World Peace Prayer Society a couple hours north of New York that makes all these peace polls with May Peace Prevail on Earth on them. They already agreed on the phone to create a special version with the, the six symbols of the global peace poll on it. They, they, they won't promote it on their website or anything, but they'll custom make one or more of them. Uh, so I'm going to ask them to make one to go up in the law in the United Nations and maybe one to go up to the Baha'i place or wherever. But um, I'll be working on that. And then also I'm planning to connect with the His Holiness Karmapa. This is the Woodstock Monastery there, um, the Tibetan Karmapa. He's the next incarnation after the one, the last incarnation, Karmapa, from which I received my Tibetan Buddhist name on March 5th, 1977, which I don't really know, pronounce it even, Karma Tsering Thurchin, I suppose. But I don't know what it means, so I'm going to ask them and also um, share the message of the Global Peace Poll with them to propagate through the Tibetan community. And then uh, after the November 11th, um, bringing out not only Global Oneness Day, but uh, now through Bob Challenger's initiation, there's a web uh, Facebook group called 2019 Global Oneness Year. We'll be using this November 11th. There's four places I know of, besides New York, around the world, that are going to be taking up this theme of Global Oneness Day on November 11th. One's in India with uh, my spiritual colleague, Junsei Tarasawa, one of uh, Fuji Guruji's disciples, um, an event there that day. They're uh, always into the oneness. And then uh, in Los Angeles, Jose Munoz, the Mayan calendar keeper, will be there doing an uh, event in Topanga Canyon and uh, observing global oneness uh, 11 o'clock in the morning during their all-day event. And then uh, Bear Butte, South Dakota, Grandmother Red Clover, who was one of the few people that came physically and joined a day there brainstorming in the Global Peace Council. She's going to organize her team to do the November 11th Global Oneness Day at Bear Butte. And then uh, Bob Challenger is doing uh, his Global Oneness Day, November 11th Reclaim Armistice Day event at the Tree of Peace there was planted a few years ago on Goat Island in, uh, near Niagara Falls, so coming from Canada. So there's uh, five places, New York, India, Los Angeles, Bear Butte, Canada, and then uh, I've asked uh, the all tribes people to um, embrace this theme themselves for their November 11th event. 
And I suppose by the time the day after tomorrow comes, uh, Friday the 9th at 3.45 p.m. Eastern Time, when I'll once again call in to Diamond Dave Whitaker's Common Thread Collective San Francisco Public Radio Show at mutinyradio.fm. I'll be calling in then with a report since the last two weeks on what's happened. I hope by then to have word that the All Tribes people are also going to include this Global Oneness theme in their November 11th event. And Great Spirit Willing, maybe even the Veterans for Peace group will also. I think they will support clemency for Leonard because, after all, they support the release of prisoners of war and like I say, he's the last prisoner of war of the United States government's war against the, their own people, <laughs> the people who were here first. Everyone here except the indigenous people are either immigrants or descended from immigrants. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> what it really boils down to, you know, is the People have copped to the people believe people children realize there's there's a truth. Then they're educated. Told like I in junior high in social studies. Oh yeah, you have to tell the truth, but you don't want to hurt people's feelings, so it's okay to tell little white lies. Like if the woman has a yellow polka dot dress and she says, How you like my dress? Well you don't want to hurt her feelings and tell her it looks terrible, so you make up something to make her feel good. Then gradually we we learn we have we learn a business and school has to compromise truth to get along in the world. The biggest compromise being this crazy Machiavellianism in politics from Machiavelli the Prince, which is saying rulership is based on fear. It's okay, it's important to lie and deceive and to make agreements with the intent of breaking them. This is called the realism of modern politics. This is still taught in school. Every political science course always teaches about Machiavelli as the realism of modern politics. Well, that's crazier than hell. It's the same era that the doctrine of discovery came out of the Catholic Church, which is still in effect. No pope has rescinded it in 600 years. And this is the doctrine by which the Spanish and all the Christian all around the world conquerors had a religious justification for mistreating, enslaving, killing, and taking the land from all the indigenous peoples because of this religious doctrine of discovery. That's never been rescinded. So that's why I say we have to not only rescind the doctrine of discovery, we have to rescind Machiavelli. We have to get Machiavelli the hell out of politics and go back to the traditional indigenous workable way, the way the foundation of the systems like all the indigenous cultures around the world exemplified by the Iroquois Confederacy based on love. Leadership is based on love. People love their leaders. They're good examples. They follow. The leaders love their people. They listen. They try to make sure that everything they do is in the benefit of everybody. There's a universal love. This is the proper foundation for any government, not the stupid, crazy 
the bottom line is that what's the the problem is the moral compass is out of alignment. Just like if you have a regular compass and nobody tells you that there's a difference between magnetic north and true north, you're going to get lost until somebody points out that wherever you are in the world, you have to adjust the angle of the magnetic compass setting to get to where true north is. Then you don't get lost anymore. It's the same thing. Our moral compass is all screwed up. Somebody has to point out, oh, there's a deviation in the moral compass we're believing that the truth is a made-up thing that you get people to believe, and that's what makes it truth. It's silly, obvious fact that the truth is a real thing, not a made-up thing. So that message alone, the President Trump's a classic example, a bald-faced example. It's, it's totally consistent with the business world. That's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, not just the majority... But, you know, I'd venture to say more than 75% of, of the people in the world and in America believe the same way. That's the way we're educated. It's not just the president that's, that people say he's not telling the truth. If he comes, recognizes this and explains what I'm explaining to you, to the people, then the whole country's moral compass will be adjusted in the direction of What's the real direction of the north, the, the perfect truth? So I want to close here because I only have a couple of minutes by saying that the Global Peace Walk project, which is the Global Peace Walk is conducted every year from Taos to Santa Fe, New Mexico, for the last 25 years. Next year, next year it will be conducted from Taos to Santa Fe at the Santa Fe Indian School, be planting the tree of peace. This is going to be a major event inviting all uh, important religious and spiritual leaders, political leaders, and this is a lead-up to October 24th to 31st in the year 2020 for the Global Peace Forum in Santa Fe, where Reverend Yamato is confident to, his intent is to bring, together the Dalai Lama, to bring together the Dalai Lama and the Pope for the first time at a gathering in Santa Fe, New Mexico, with uh, all kinds of uh, other people to discuss global peace and the way to get there. So I want to leave you with that and uh, say thank you very much for listening. All my relations, atakuyase, namo myoho renge kyo, la ilaha illallah, torakom, torakum, torak.